podcast today, which is October 6th, 2020. And with us today, we have some very, very special guests along with the returning panel. And before I get into everybody real quick, just briefly going to go down the topics here. Um, We're going to talk about Facebook accidentally banning a Fallout 76 group. Uh, We're going to talk about the latest Chromecast not supporting Stadia. We're going to talk about some Spider-Man Miles Morales uh, saves transfer, but not the original. Uh, The advantages and and possible disadvantages of the Game Pass. And recently, Jason Schreier has come out to uh, accuse uh, CD Projekt Red of uh, severe crunch, but they shot back at him. And so did uh, Paris from Gamertag Radio, but Jason did not like that. He did not like that at all. So when is when has he ever liked it? <laughs> that's a good question. Maybe when he's getting paid for it is yeah. the time he likes it. Um, but I want to go ahead and get into the panel and introduce a special guest, a uh, longtime friend, and I think this is the first time he's ever been on Four Guys with Quarters. Is Downer. Uh, from TXR, the Xbox Roundtable, a fellow Gamers United Guild podcast. What's going on, man? It's been the first time. It has. But I, I'll never forget that time where you guys whooped their ass in uh, soccer cars, Rocket League. <laughs> in fact, I'll never forgive you for that, clowns. Uh, did I get anyway, the last shot in by accident? I don't want to talk about it anymore, but I appreciate you reaching out to me. Uh, I've been a big fan of four guys since Mr. Inferno has been on, um, which is Mike. I have a lot of admiration for Mike. Um, he's someone who's really you know, well-respected in the Xbox community, even though he's kind of been out of the limelight for a while. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Mike was also a TXR panel member. Um, so, Mike, if you're listening, um, you know, we appreciate what you're able to accomplish, but yeah, it's been a long time coming, man. So thanks for inviting me, um, and I'm looking forward to the podcast. Awesome, man. And we have the Wandering Dutch from the Midweek Mix-Up podcast. What's going on, man? Uh, I'm not uh, not too bad, buddy. Not too bad. Thanks for the invite. How's it going? Oh, anytime. Pretty good. Pretty good. I saw that SpongeBob uh, uh, gif, and I thought of you immediately with a Viking hat and a beard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're in the yeah we've traded places. We're in the yeah. wrong place. <laughs> and this time, uh, for our panel member Midway Monster, he is closer to my avatar than BJ. What's going on, Midway? Yes, the totem has been set. Uh, what's up? What's up, guys? Uh, glad to be back on another week. Uh, loving the layout, clowns. Looking nice and organized. Looks great. And I'm ready to get into these topics. Let's go. Awesome. Glad to hear it. And VJ, welcome back, man. I always appreciate you coming back every week as well. What's going on? Oh, hey. How you doing, clowns? Yeah, good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on uh, on again. And uh, just want to say a quick hello to Downer and to Dutch. It's nice to have you on the show today. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Well, um, the first thing I want to get into is is a pretty quick topic. I mean, it's nothing 
uh, that would surprise anyone these days. It's uh, basically that Facebook kind of accidentally banned the Fallout 76 group thinking that it was like a real <laughs> type of militia. Uh <laughs> Which just, I don't know, at the same time, it is a little surprising because you would figure that somebody at Facebook would have manually reviewed that and be like, oh, this is just a video game group. But are we getting to an age now where we got to be scared what we name our video game groups because, you know, CIA or Secret Service might be knocking down our doors because Facebook (laughs) says, oh, this is a this is a group, you know, because first of all, that article's. A little misleading, buddy, but um, just because somebody belongs to a militia doesn't mean the group is doing something nefarious or wants, you know, some sort of nefarious action towards another group of people, you know, without being too political. uh, I mean, mean, you've seen my post. I'm kind of a political guy, but without being too political, uh, there's a bunch of reasons why people would want to form a militia, but the same thing applies here with just a, um, I think it's a cool idea with the whole fallout militia thing because it's, it's it makes sense in that particular world. Um, but again, not to be too political, there's a few states I think that actually uh, have militias, and I know Texas for sure is one of them. Ohio, and we're talking about real militias here. But uh, I think it's cool, and if you've seen like some of the pictures, if if you try to look them up. I think their Twitter feed uh, is the only one that's up right now. Um, but uh, some of the pictures are cool. They take nice pictures. They do things together. And I just think it's a nice it's a nice community in set in that game world. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, getting back to the whole militia thing, um, you know, I mean, they're formed for a couple of reasons. And number one is... Um, the biggest one is, you know, they want a secure and free state. You know, I think that's part of the reason why people join militias again, to protect your second amendment. But, um, I mean, you guys have seen our, our, uh, you know, political climate now with people burning down businesses, homes, causing chaos, um, you know, and part of the reason why militias are formed is for the exact same reason to protect people. I know in my particular town, which I used to live in Los Angeles, but now I live in a town of only 1000 people. So going from a, uh, you know, uh, just a County that had over 7 million people now to a town that has 1000 people. We have one sheriff, one sheriff in our town and we have, um, two police officers in town. So if shit hits the fan over here, <laughs> you know, um, we have to. Are you saying you can back. hide a body easily? Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. <laughs> that's exactly. What he said. Oh, wow. but, um, I didn't. I didn't see Facebook's particular reasoning reasoning behind the ban, so I have no idea. But um, I think. What happened was is the algorithm or whatever the auto- automation bot or whatever you want to call it picked up that name because I think the NSA has another um, – they used to have the an, another feature or automation bot that does the same concept or the same purpose, which is to 
identify particular names, you know, say explosion or bomb, you know, and then pick it up. And I think this Facebook technology does the same thing. And that's, I think that's the reason why uh, this particular group um, got singled out and banned. So yeah, I was going to say on top of that as well at the minute, you've, you've got the lack of um, actual physical personnel doing remote kind of checks on these things due to COVID. Everyone's still working from home. And anyone yeah. that is working from home, it's a lot harder and slower to access all of these things that they need to do to be able to review these things manually. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, it's, it is comical that they have banned a fake militia, yeah. a gaming militia. Um, on, But you can understand why it would come up. Obviously, calling anything a militia on Facebook is going to cause some issues on, on moderation. Right. Uh, but it is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I do, find, I do find it funny, yeah. But it We're is calling funny. for but a yeah, new confederacy. I was on uh, Wilmy's podcast about a month or so ago, and we weren't, we hadn't even said anything. Uh, there was no swear words or cussing, yeah. as you, as the Americans say. Uh, there was no kind of anything. We hadn't even got in anything like that at that point. We're only about twenty minutes into the podcast, and Facebook banned the entire page. Oh my god! See, oh. this is the problem. <laughs> In my opinion, in my opinion, Facebook shouldn't ban anybody for their first, unless it's hate or something like that, or some yeah. sort of violence, or that's the only time. And there's still some, uh, you know, the jury's still out on whether or not Facebook has the right to do it. Yeah, they they consider themselves a private company, but they're really not a private company if you think about it. Um, so, yeah, I think people should be allowed to say what they want to say, how stupid it may be and, and um, unpolitically correct it may be. But, you know, it's just one of those things. It's the environment that we live in now. Uh, now, there's there's different alternatives. You can go to a place like um, Rumble, which is a, on, an alternative to YouTube. And there's a place like Parler who do not, um, uh, you know, Basically, you're allowed to do anything with the exception of, uh, you know, hate towards another group or person. Um, everything's allowed. Your First Amendment right is, you know, sacred there on those particular sites. Um, I know some of you live across the seas, but, you know, the same should apply to everybody else. But it was funny. It was pretty funny. I was going to say, um, Dutch, I was there when that happened to... The game of Beyond the Box. Um, it was Husk. He opened a beer, and you know, he's, oh really? He's over eighteen. <laughs> I mean, he's over twenty-one, and he was enjoying an adult beverage. And apparently, it's against Facebook's policy, even though he was of age to have a sip of beer. Uh, as soon as he cracked <laughs> the beer open and took a sip, they took down uh, his his Facebook page, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it's mad, absolutely mad. Like I, nothing I mean, was going through. I couldn't. We we were all just like, well, why is it not working? <laughs> they completely took it down. It took them about an hour to get back to uh, to Wilmy. Yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous. I mean, now, I don't drink beer, right? I'm not a, I don't drink alcohol. But the point is, if somebody's old enough, it is their privilege and their right to 
enjoy what they want to enjoy and it's not fair that a company will come in when it's labeled mm. when it's even labeled for mature audiences <laughs> they just decide <laughs> to do that and yeah. the ironic thing you want to, here's the ironic thing about this right so the other day i was on a, doing an interview with aj of uh, battletoads and in the twitch stream vod that i did which i pulled up during the interview Apparently, Twitch puts in beer advertisements, like alcohol advertisements, and Twitch is fine with it, but Facebook's not. Like, I, I just don't understand the concept here, you know? Yeah, the, log- the logic behind it is pretty crazy, to be honest. It um, is. Yeah. Um, Vijay, also, feel free to jump in if, if there's anything you want to say, um, but I want to go to you anyway on this, Vijay. Do you have any thoughts on this? Um, not really. It's not really something that I follow. I don't play Fallout 76, nor do I have any experience with these types of issues. Um, I think the rest of the panel and the guests are providing more than adequate information and an opinion on this topic. Okay. Well put. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> but, yeah, the, I mean, you know, there's just so much disinformation out there about militias in general, you know. Uh, without getting too into it, I mean, again, not being too political, but look at the debate. I mean, just it was just it's crazy. See, I'm a, I'm the person, right, my, uh, Downer, and you may know this, okay? I yeah. and this is not to get political or anything. Um, yeah. some, I lean more liberal, right? But mm-hmm. I don't disrespect another person's point of view if they're full conservative. I believe right. that everyone has a right to believe what they want to believe, and mm. you vote how you want to vote. That's what democracy is. And yeah. whatever the voters put in office is what we're going to get. And it's not... Everybody's not always going to be happy, right? But <laughs> That's for sure. You just can't complain when people are acting on their democratic rights in america that's the only thing i'll say on i'm not trying to get political but i just feel yeah. like everybody has a right to believe what they want to believe and that that right should never be taken away from anybody right you're here. here buddy but you know what google is taken away from people this is a, a pretty bad segue but yeah they are <laughs> taking away zadia in the new uh in in the new Chromecast, which looks, uh, this looks like like one of those old remotes for like an old fan or something. I don't mm-hmm. know why they're going back to this type of design, but why they are taking out Stadia when they were promoting this so hard for so long, it's gone. It's like not even in the new product for 2020. It's maybe it's the maybe it's the. Uh... They've they've dropped one when they've seen that uh, AWS is coming into the streaming world. Yeah, maybe they're that. just phasing it out. Who knows? But so I think when, when when Google's trying to go head to head now with with what will be Amazon and Azure, the the largest kind of cloud platforms in the world, it's going to be quite difficult for them to match up with them in, in a term of quality. Um, but I think this is maybe just a very weird oversight on on development of new products. I don't understand why they've launched a product 
where they've already supported something and then not included right. support for that product under the next one. Right. It's a bit of a, a big of a, a big oversight. Yeah, you know, in my opinion, Google what they should have done was just revise the uh, the Chromecast, make uh, Stadia part of it, and give just people the option whether or not they want to subscribe to the service or not. Have it uh, already built into the you know to the technology which is Chromecast, and just get it into homes. You know that has to be the the focal point in order to just get it into people's home or even make it free for that matter give people chromecast so they can subs- subscribe to that particular service because i mean what do they pay for these chromecast devices nothing to manufacture them it's it's hard. it's beans on what uh google does that's just a small portion of their business so they can afford it but if you you know you do that if you already have it implemented into the technology, then you can get it into more people's homes, which in turn they can go out and try Stadia. But I think yeah. what you have here is just a matter of both Google and Amazon are late to the party. You know, yes, Google has made some moves. They they went out and purchased uh, the team that made. I can't even think of the damn game. Um, but they made some moves regarding the studio. You know, they they're at least trying, but it's not enough. If I was a particular company uh, and I was looking to sell to a company to like Xbox, Amazon, or Google, I would pick Xbox. You know, the the it makes sense to go with Xbox. Number one is they, and I brought this up on the TXR podcast uh, last week. They already have a built-in foundation. You know, they've been doing business in the in the industry for a very long time. Xbox Live has been prevalent in those times. You know, and um, now you have Game Pass, which has over soon to be 250 games with the inclusion of EA Access. Um, you have the inclusion of that. Um, if I was a particular, a particular company, knowing that my employees were going to be taken care of or not, why would you want to go to a Google or Amazon just for the simple fact that they have money? You know, I, I don't, I don't look at it like that. It's, it's who's invested, who's not invested, and I think those two particular. I mean, what is Google even doing? You know, who knows what they're doing? Are they even invested into the Stadia brand? And to me, they're not. You know, you look at it, they're not. They're totally not. Um, and then when I look at Amazon, they're a little late to the party. You know, what are they doing? So yeah, are they going to be? Are they going to be um, in competition with Xbox eventually? Yeah, I think eventually. But there's so many subscription players out there. You think. How much do you guys pay in subscriptions every single month? You have Am- uh, you have Netflix, you have Hulu, you have Apple TV, you have Apple Arcade. I mean, I can just go down the list, and there's so many that we are currently uh, subscribed to. I pay probably upwards of $150 for my subscription services, right? But now you have a click, and we probably use Am- uh, Net- Netflix the most, right? Most of us. 
So now with what Xbox is doing is they're slowly but surely cornering the market. You know, they with the with the acquisition of Zenimax. You know, Zenimax has over eight studios um, with them. That's a lot of content. You know, pretty soon we're getting to the point to where we're going to have um, AAA games every single month. I want you guys to think about that on Game Pass. Why would you want to go anywhere else besides that? They have the content. They have the studios. Um, so that's what makes um, Game Pass and Xbox attractive right now. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think Google Stadia is in, in a lot of trouble. Stadia's main issue was yeah. always the fact that they've got a subscription service where you have to buy the game separately. Yep, yep. And people so, can't get so, over that fact. You don't have that hurdle. The question is going to be is who's going to end up being last in all of this. And right now, Google is doing a heck of a job saying that we're going to be last. But <laughs> Amazon is going to have to say something about are they going to put this in? Are they going to put Luna in future Fire TVs or Fire Sticks? They are. Yeah. Uh, Luna will work on PCs, Macs, iOS devices, and Fire TV devices at launch. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, and only $6 a month. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That's. I mean, Amazon's trying to cut Google at every turn. I mean, even their Amazon Prime Music uh, service is $2 cheaper than YouTube Music. My, one, my only wonder is if you have uh, Amazon Prime already, does this go on on top of that? Or can you have some kind of bundle thing that goes with Luna and you just get it as part of your Amazon Prime subscription? Or Yeah, it's, it's, it's in part test. Of that, that'd be a yeah. hell of a deal. Yeah, it's yeah. in test fees right now. So what's happening is they're for four, I think it's $4 more. Uh, they'll give you, uh, you know, they'll give you the option to do that. Um but yeah, if you have Amazon Prime, I would think you know it'd be included in it. And on top of that, there's different, you know, maybe they offer like a gold package to where you get these uh, kind of benefits or perks, you know, when when you subscribe to it. Um, but if I was Amazon, for every single Amazon Prime member, which is over a hundred million for sure. I just offer for free. This is what you get. Kind of like what Xbox Live did. This is what you get for the silver package. Uh, if you have Prime already, this is what you get if you pay a few dollars more. You know, they do the same thing already with their Amazon Music service. There's two different types of service. There's yeah. the there's the Amazon, whatever you want to call it, silver with your music when you already join Amazon Prime. And there's for a few extra bucks more, uh, you get the unlocked version. You get to, you know, whatever, how many songs they have. And I think that's what's going to apply here eventually later on. Yeah, I agree on that. Well, hopefully. But I I mean, if anyone, and this is the thing, Amazon, I think, are going to be taking a leaf out of, of Xbox's book and, and doing it as a full streaming service, not charging that's additional for the games. Yeah. Because um, yeah, because if you look, they're going the Game Pass Ultimate route if they're bundling everything in there, and then yeah. Google's doing kind of like the a la carte thing, like Sony does with their ex- exclusivity. Yeah, 
Because Luna, if you have a look at the list underneath, it just says unlimited hours of play, a grown library of games. So that says to me that it's it's just going to have a library on launch anyway, and you don't pay for those games separately. Uh, 1080p, 60, 4K coming soon. Stream on two devices at the same time, which is a bonus. Um, play on PC, Mac, Fire TV, web apps, iPhone and iPad. As long as and, 60 uh, frames. Yeah. Uh, and then they're adding, adding yep. Ubisoft to it as well. Yep, clowns. Oh, I'm sorry, Dutch. Um, VJ, I was going to ask you your input on this. Uh, what you, sure. What you... I'm not like completely well versed on Google Stadia, so this is sort of like an uninformed take on the situation. And, and please feel free to jump in if I've got, if I've got any of my facts uh, incorrect and so on and so forth. Um, if I'm going to be polite about Google Stadia, it seems obvious that they have not really had the best of starts. Uh, one could go as far as saying that they've actually had a false start and are potentially at the moment regrouping. Uh, that's what I'd be doing. Um, they came out of the blocks discussing tech without seemingly having a really well thought out business plan. Google's business model um, before all of this Stadia is is advertising, eyes on ad engagement, all whilst earning sort of small amounts of coin, right, from their 250-odd million uh, ad clicks per day. And uh, I was just having a quick look earlier today because I didn't really have any clue, but I think about 112 billion uh, of ad re- of their revenue, total revenue of 160 uh, billion is all ad revenue, right, 70%. So, but then yeah. if you look at the diff- key difference between them um, and say the others, Xbox, I think someone mentioned Game Pass, I think it was Downer. They've simply been able to told uh, by, I think, Microsoft sort of, um, you know, corporate board in terms of, hey, look, our overarching corporate expertise is uh, providing software solutions for a subscription fee. So uh, with Bethesda, I think that what they've done is sort of rounded out their software package, right? And I think the people in the panel have also outlined, look, they've got they've got more content now as well, far more than, than their than their possible competitors. Prior to Bethesda, for me, Game Pass was, when I was looking at it like from, uh, from a standback position, was like akin to Microsoft Office minus Excel, yeah. Outlook, and probably PowerPoint as well, right? And, they, and they're trying to fill those gaps. Mm-hmm. Plus, Xbox will be aware of uh, tried and tested strategies as well in order to adequately and sustainably increase subs. Uh, yeah. So it's to their strengths at the end of the day. Sony, if you look at them, they are an extremely diverse company, but one of the, the key areas of its business is, has always been electronics, which is selling boxes, but uh, with consistent flow of high quality uh, content supporting it, right? So yeah. how do Google leverage uh, what they're efficient at? That's that's what it comes down to, uh, partly. And how do they retain retain sort of um, eyes on eyes on their content and on Stadia once they hook in customers with with great content? Right. It's not saying that they've got terrible content, but yeah. the cont- continuity of content uh, from flow um, and uh, rotation of the old um, is is key. Right. For not just for them, but for Game Pass as well. But obviously, Game Pass's um, strength is that they've got first-party staple exclusives, which remain there, remain there from day and date for, for whenever, right? I'm, I'm assuming yeah. it's, it's, it's permanent. But overall, um, the answer to, to Stadia's issues is not an easy one, right? So I can do a little bit of blue sky thinking and, you know, and I don't think we're going to go, but arguably the tech was not quite, is not quite there even now. And that's just... Well, we, sorry. VJ, I, I think it is an easy one because number one is people are going to go where the content is. 
So I, I almost guarantee you right now, most of you watch Netflix more than any other platform out there. Can we all agree? Uh, not me, but yep, fair enough. Well, most no. of us. My point is actually in terms of how do they overcome the issue, not, in, not, not pointing out the fact that they've actually yeah. got an issue. We know that. That's pretty obvious, right? So arguably the tech was not there for me, right, in terms of what they were promising, right? There was a certain amount of T-flops they were trying to uh, uh, market. Yeah. <laughs> 4K, online, no lag, you know, latencies. Part. They never delivered on that, right? And, and that was one of my things why I stood, I'm standing back from endorsing them, right? But besides no feasible the biggest thing was there was no long-term feasible business plan in my eyes, right? Maybe I wasn't, yeah. maybe I can't find it, or maybe I'm not looking hard enough. I, I, I don't know, right? They need a variety. The problem with Stadia as a division, they need quite obviously a variety of expertise and personnel to be embedded into the division, which they don't have. I know that they've got Jade Raymond. I know that they've got Shannon Studstill. And I would say that they are key appointments, but not quite enough. And I also know that Ubisoft Montreal are currently not happy with, with people being poached from there. But yeah. premium marquee third-party games on Stadia is, of course, helpful. But I think they need to figure out how to integrate potentially Google Play right into Stadia if there are synergies there whatsoever. I, I don't know, right? That's and, a great point. Great and, point. And, and there are not there are there are any there could be any number of non-expensive gems or studios that are producing content for Google Play that they can that they can uh, that people can play and that that they that Stadia uh, sorry Google Stadia division could support. Um, they need something like even a Candy Crush would be great. And I know it's easier said than done, right? But this is blue sky thinking at the end of the day. Whatever they're planning to do next. And that goes for any company, right? The, the others you, that you've mentioned, Amazon, and I'm sure mm -hmm. maybe there's one or two other in China. Who, who knows, right? Stadia needs time, right? They need time to redefine its foundation and define its business plan. And that means, first and foremost, recruiting the right people. Once they've got a definitive, cohesive, long-term business plan and a creative vision, or better still, a, lead, a leader, sorry, that can actually deliver that vision, like Phil Spencer uh, over at Xbox, because that's something else I'm not seeing, right? Then perhaps once again they can come again, right, with a with a strong stronger PR and marketing push. If, mm -hmm. if Google Play or a, or their equivalent of I think it's the Idea Xbox division, is it over yeah. at Xbox? That's right. right, yeah. And and I and I and I worry is that is that division got the right people in it? Is it being active? Um, it, does it need to be reconstituted and provided a new set of mission objectives? And 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 even that will take time. If if I was Google, I'd be looking at an acquisition or at least considering it. And I'm sure they have, right? I'm not like I'm not saying I'm like Albert Einstein or anything. I'm just giving you a completely amateur take on this, right? Mm -hmm. And considering it. And for and for them, I was thinking about uh, when um, uh, clowns pinged me, and I thought just Valve popped into my head, right? Maybe they're a good fit. I believe both Google and Valve. Uh, integrate or use Linux in some major capacity, right? So compatibility might might be very uh, sort of um, a, a bit of an, you know, a, a bit of an in there, a bit of a, a, a sort of shoe shoe in the boot sort of thing. But I hear you. I'm, sorry, I'm just not technical enough to, to look at synergies in that in the technical area. That might be something for somebody else. But with the expertise uh, uh, of both companies, they could feasibly even build a box if, if needed, right? Gabe, and the reason why I looked at Valve, not just because it's Valve, I was looking at Gabe and um, and I just remember recall seeing um, a video of him when he was on some New Zealand show, right? And it was asked about PS5, Xbox. He said, oh, yeah, Xbox. And yeah. He's, he's 67 now, and he's built up a legacy. And he will be thinking of how, to move, how it moves forward 
without him at some point. And I, just to draw a parallel to that is that George Lucas sold Lucasfilm at 68, right? So yeah. it's only a year difference. Or, uh, albeit, uh, my personal opinion, and please don't shout at me, is that I think he sold it to me. <laughs> I think other partners may have handled Star Wars more sensitively, but that's just my opinion. But Valve also has, uh, I think, about 100 million subscribers or something like that. But uh, sorry, nine, sorry, about 95 million monthly active users, and I think only Sony have more than them, with 103. Yeah. But 30% of those are in China, and Google are not in China right now. So that made a strategic sense, and maybe add a few more dollars onto if there was. A know, it's funny you bring up the age of uh, you know the CEO of Valve. When he's ready to sell, why not it be Microsoft? Why not it be Xbox? My argument, would be, my argument would be Valve to Amazon makes much more sense. But anyway, that's a, that's a topic for another thing. And I'm, I'll just finish my point, then I'll just shut up. Um, however, I think with Jade Raymond and Shannon Studstill at Google, Google, they are potential stewards that are respected and speak Gabe's language. They know how to harness creativity, and they've got a proven track record of doing so. At the end of the day, it will come down to Google's appetite, their vision, creativity, and leadership. And these questions, they need to be able to answer. And the other question is, what is their version of future of entertainment, right, which I think is also a fundamental answer. And, and those haven't been answered right now. And until they can do that, I don't know how they move forward. I think one, yeah. of the, one of the positives that came off the back of um, of what you've just been saying there is, I think they can take note from the way Xbox is doing Game Pass. Uh, obviously, on Clowns' interview with uh, the Battle, Battletoads dev, he went into the kind of details on how they're reimbursed and paid for by Game Pass. Um, that's, to me, like, that's crazy. They're, they're under uh, was NDA, man. They, you can't be talking about that stuff. Well, well, well saying say will... that, I've, I've spoken to, obviously, I had um, Joe who was doing one of the, who's uh, doing Song of Iron. Um, yeah. And he divulged kind of the way that they go about it for um, ID at Xbox. And it, it's very much the same thing. They're, they're open to just let them crack on. If they need help, they'll help them and they'll support them as best yeah. they can. Um. Likewise, that's, the one many that's great that you guys got them to. Sorry to interrupt, but that's great that's you guys right. got that information out of them. Yeah. That was whoever answered that question. It was that was good. Well, uh, when, when we get yeah, to the ahead. game, I'm sorry. When we get to the Game Pass topic, I'll go into full detail of what AJ was allowed to say. Um, oh, yeah. okay. he, he was allowed to say that um, because he wasn't under uh, NDA for that. Interesting. Uh, it's a really good. It, I was going to say it's a. It's a that's a really good thing, especially for for independent independent developers. They know they've got the full backing of Microsoft to to really go for it and put their game on there, and know that a they can make a profit, but even if they don't achieve what they hope to achieve, the Microsoft has got their backs anyway, so that they don't kind of go down with a whimper. Yeah, um, there's a there's a lot of games that don't get the the recognition they deserve, especially on in the independent developer kind of scene. There's a lot of games that are, uh, barely scratch five hundred thousand downloads, but are critically yeah. acclaimed. Well, there's too many uh, now, in my book. Yeah, there's too many. But and it's really good to see. But that's something that Google have the the financial capabilities to do, and it's exactly what. What VJ was kind of touching on there, the need to pull something out of the hat, and especially with the idea at Xbox and the and the Game Pass kind of sector, something like that to give the reassurance to these developers, right? Okay, 
We're going to pay you this lump sum to get your game on here first and foremost. Not only are we going to do that, but we're going to give you the financial backing to say, listen, if it doesn't do well initially, then we'll, don't worry, we've got you covered. We'll, we'll cover up to X amount of units. So at least you've got that. So, you know, if it doesn't make it, then great. But any sales up until that point anyway, you're still getting paid on. And above that point, you'll get paid on as well. So I think they're the kind of reassurances Google need to make to people to come onto their platform in the first place. And probably something that is missing. I don't think they're being aggressive enough at all. I think they're right. really just sitting back and letting the the other the big boys kind of battle it out at the top. And Amazon could just come in and steamroll them if they're not careful. They could just completely make Google Stadia null and void in a heartbeat. Just yeah, like, I, I agree. Just by launching with a library, that's it. Well, um, I, with the, I think with Google, I think the biggest problem was they weren't really prepared. I think they just somebody ran with an idea and said, "Hey, competitors are going to do cloud services. Let's sign up as many games as we can onto the service. Uh, who cares about?" exclusivity let's just get them on there let's hurry up rush it out there let's get chromecast to support it and then uh magically everybody will buy into it and i i think that you know their plan was very foolish i don't think they really thought it through to be honest with you um i don't think they had a lot of depth there uh the way that xbox did it was it was a very slow process for xbox you know it was like they took years with backwards compatibility they took a few mm-hmm. years with game pass then they're like okay we're going to add the cloud and put that in beta for like a year see how that does i mean xbox slowly took steps to get there um google just rushed to the point kind of like some of these pc yeah. services that we see that did that kind of mm-hmm. cloud gaming uh very expensively but the well, other thing I want to say is with Luna, I think that Amazon has the money, uh, and I think Amazon is hungry like Microsoft, and I think Amazon will study this properly and make all the right steps like Microsoft did and learn from what yeah. Microsoft did, copy them, and maybe try to even throw more money than Microsoft threw out there. I would not be surprised if Amazon yeah. did that um, because I really think that the biggest competitor right now is Amazon to Microsoft. I mean, do you, know, do you want to know the recent numbers on, on Stadia and Destiny? Oh, I'm ready to hear this. Go for it. 11.6 thousand players. Wow, nothing. Uh, out of those 11.6 thousand, 10,000 are playing PvE. Well, thank you, Stuart, for just subscribing. We appreciate that, man. One point nine are playing PvP, and only four hundred and thirty-nine are playing raids. Wow, that's nothing. You can't. I mean, you can't stay afloat like that. I mean, yeah, Google can. They have the money to, but but if you've only, I mean, that's a big multiplayer game, and if you can't get a free, and that's a free game, not not a game they've paid for. That's that was free to all people on. Google Stadia and free across all platforms now. If you can't get more than eleven thousand people playing on a free game, where on other platforms, even let's have a look at Xbox, isn't the biggest platform for for Destiny by a long shot. Yeah, you know what but killed they, them. You know what killed them too. Dutch is the fact that uh, Cyberpunk is not going to be day and date when it comes out. 
You know, yeah. it's not it's not even going to come out. That's Cyberpunk's going to be huge. You know, oh, yeah. to not have that uh, streaming on your platform. There's absolutely no reason to own a Stadia right now. No reason. And meanwhile, on Xbox Live, there is 818,000 players on Destiny 2. Wow. Wow. That's a, that's a big difference. I, re- I really that's, think it's... That's just... not even the biggest platform. Like, you're talking about another platform. You've got PC on top of there as well, but you've already got PlayStation, who have a, a double the user base. Like, they have 100 yeah. million players, potential players. So you're talking potentially double that again on, on PlayStation. So Stadia is way off. Way off where they need to be. Yeah. Um, well, the next topic I want to get into real quick, and this is going to be a fast one, I think, for everybody, is yep. the Spider-Man Miles Morales situation. So I just, okay, from my viewpoint, I find this a little bit ironic that Spider-Man PS4 and Miles Morales, which is also going to be available on PS4, is kind of like the same engine, you know? It's like built off the same thing. However, the Spider-Man PS4 saves will not transfer to your PS5s, but your Miles Morales from your PS4 will transfer to your PS5s. Now, I don't know if maybe PlayStation changed the encryption and the way they do their save files um, to prevent, like, hacking in the cloud. I don't know. but I, I know just... the answer to this one. Oh, you Unfortunately. do? Unfortunately. Yep. All so... right, Touch. Hit us with it. <laughs> the, the remaster is an entirely different executable file, so it is, it's not yeah. the same as the original. So it's classed as a brand brand new game and because you can only get it within the uh, ultimate edition uh, the save does not go over because it is classed as an entirely different game yeah and it makes that makes sense for sure so and they, however yeah, re- the problem the, the problem isn't now relating really to spider-man it's the countless other games that are having issues with cross saves that don't have remasters and there's a few. <laughs> Maneater is one of them that's come out recently and said exactly the same thing. So it's just, it's a whole new game. Yeah. It's a so whole new game. E- even though you can buy the Miles Morales separately on PS4. Yep. Wow. You can't buy the remaster separately. It only comes in the Ultimate Edition. Wow. I am at a loss for words. I guess it's... (laughs) I I guess in a sense, they want to make money. And it's one way to do it. I mean, they're in the business to make money, not to please everybody, unfortunately. And Sony has been at the forefront of making money. I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be fair with with Sony here. Well, Downers is fair with Sony? I'm going to be fair. They just got done spending... Again, I don't know the exact details. Anywhere from three hundred to five hundred million dollars on Insomniac, so they need to get some of their money back. You know, I just, that's one of those things. Um, yeah, they're ripping off people, <laughs> but you know, I I forgive them. I mean, come on, you know, you got you got to get your money back somehow. So that's I my take on it. Remember. 
or quote yeah. unquote remaster. I'm yeah. not surprised about this. I mean, uh, did The Last of Us PS3 go over to the PS4? Or I don't. Um, and obviously they want uh, they want their engagement numbers and selling numbers as much as they can. So they want people that stay engaged to Miles Morales from PS4 to PS5. I'm but see, you're right there as well with The Last of Us. They didn't just release The Last of Us, though. Did they did The Last of Us Remastered, <laughs> which right, was yeah. which was a bump in resolution and HDR and uh, you know you know let's again I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fair. What did we get for most of this generation? We got remakes and remasters. You know, if you look down the list at probably about a good forty percent of these titles. A lot of them are just, they've come out on, on last gen on the 360 and PlayStation 3. Maybe it's not 40%, maybe it's not even 35%. But there's a large portion of these games that have come out that we've accepted and we've purchased before. You know, I've, I've, I know I've been guilty of buying a remaster and a remake several times in this generation. Uh, so, so, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's that's all I'm saying. It's just we've, uh, to me, we've already come accustomed to this. So why is it surprising? It's not to me in my book. It's almost it's almost like a teraflop era. Like I feel like it's um, understandable and um, wanted when a PS3 slash 360 game gets remastered into this generation. Because I don't see myself buying a remake. Even after this console, like I feel like anything from PS3 down that's remastered, I'll get it because of the nostalgia, obviously. But with the optimization that the Series X and S are going to have and all that stuff, I feel like it won't be needed anymore. Dutch, I've got a question for you, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. Uh, there was just somebody in the chat, and I'm pretty layman in this terms as well, so I'd really appreciate if you have any sort of answer. Uh, Pong Soul says, uh, bigger question, uh, are the PS4 Cyberpunk 2077 saves going to transfer? Can you imagine a couple of hundred hours into the PS4 version and Great then buy 2021 and nothing carries over? Great question. It's difficult to say because a lot of developers now, and I refer back to... This is some, probably something you're gonna have. Someone's. I'll ask. I'll ask one of the. I've, I've been speaking to one of them, so I'll ask one of the uh, developers if he can enlighten us. Um, Thank you. But again, on Man Eater underneath, which I referred to earlier on, uh, there was a question underneath that uh, asked simple. Um, I'm fine with PS4 game progress not carrying over to PS5. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was the case last gen. Anyway, my question is. Does the PS5 version of Money to have separate PlayStation trophy list? And they just replied it will. Mm. So the essentially it's classed from what I can tell is when they're porting it across to PlayStation 5, it's classed as an entirely new game as opposed to just a carry-on. Mm-hmm. Um they've they've obviously got something going wrong there, and they've even made sure, and I think if you have a look back at the question and, and the, the wording around backwards compatibility even to PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5 from Sony themselves. They stated that their own developers would have to make sure that their games worked on PlayStation 5 that were produced from June onwards or released in June onwards this year. It was uh, July, yeah, just prior to um, just prior to the uh, Ghost of Tsushima release, I remember that. Yeah, so they, 
to me, that tells me that they have to implement something within their game in terms of yeah. coding that allows them to do certain things on the new system. So therefore, all games produced beforehand or released beforehand didn't have that opportunity to do so. However, games releasing following that, I would no doubt they would have given the remit to the companies to say, right, this is what you need to do and this is what you need to do to get these things to work. So I would imagine Watch Dogs, Cyberpunk, etc. Yeah. it should go over. Um, I think even Yakuza have said that they they might or might not have saves already, which is a big one because that's a six-month difference between when it releases on Series X and PlayStation 5 Yeah, for the next-gen patch. But I think Yakuza have come out and said that saves won't change over. Now, Dutch, do you think that's the reason why, um, at least in the U.S., I know it's probably uh, the same everywhere else, but games are $10 more now. Uh, there's some games are $10 more now as opposed to some that are just kept at the same, like, you know, Watch Dogs 2, for example, fifty nine ninety nine. dollars 99 Yeah. But okay. games like Ubisoft, etc., uh, if you have a look, it's strange. And I don't know why it is, but on yeah. Amazon seems to be five, in the UK at least anyway, five pound more for Ubisoft titles on the PlayStation than it is on the Xbox. That's a very That's, strange... It's, I don't understand why that is as well. That makes yeah. no sense to me. Um, it but it's not... Like, I mean, uh, in terms of the, almost... the kind of crossover pricing as well, like it's $70 in the, U, in the US for games, but it's 80 euros in, in, in Europe and 70 pounds for games in the UK. Now, if we're actually doing the the translation of dollars from our currency back to your currency, that translates to $91 and $94, respectively. So it's nearly $100 per game. So the actual difference in cost <laughs> for us is far much far, far higher than it is for, for the US. Obviously, it's still a $10 increase, but that's not the case in the UK. It's, it's, it's a much bigger jump in layman's terms. It's a very, very strange one. I don't understand. I think it's potentially they're trying to reclaw back some of the development costs of games being produced for PlayStation. And I think it is a lot more work than they're, they're letting on, especially if they can't get something as easy as putting saves over. Xbox have a massive advantage where all saves have always been on the cloud and you can synchronize between several devices in seconds. Whereas PlayStation, you need access to PS Plus to be able to access cloud saves in the first place. That's so games are normally natively stored on the hard drive, unless you have PS Plus, in which case then it's stored there. But either way, it doesn't automatically upload your saves to cloud. You have to manually update them to the cloud. So therefore, I think there's obviously some kind of hindrance between getting your saves that were stored on the hard drive on the PlayStation to the cloud and then from the cloud to the PlayStation 5. There's something that's going wrong in that process there, which is causing development issues for these. And none of these developers that have come out previously and said they, uh, regarding that issue, uh, what exactly that issue is, they've simply come out and kind of advised, we'll let you know when we know more. So they're obviously trying to work on it, but how long that's going to take, God knows. 
but there's going to be Yakuza is one of the main ones I think initially having a six month difference from when they launched the game on PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5 in terms of the actual patch and if you've put 100 hours into that game for instance with it being a role playing game and a turn based combat mm-hmm. this time around if you put 100 hours into that game for instance and then go on to PlayStation 5 and you can't load that save what is that going to encourage you to play it again <laughs> Are you going to be wanting to jump back into that from scratch? I don't think so. I've done the same with Witcher 3. I've got 70 hours into the game and I'm like, I don't have the time or or headspace to start this again. Yeah, there's no way. So So, it's... So much for a short topic, clowns. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Dutch knew the whole detail like in and out of this. He's like, I got you, Sony. I know what's going on here. Um... (laughs) Extremely Downer, does this make you want to get a PS5? Are you going to go out and get a PS5 now, Downer? You know what? I had I had my pre-order day one, but Xbox has made, and call me a home, I don't care. Xbox has made the necessary moves um, to have me go all in. I'm a gamer at heart. I've owned all the systems ever made, but now... You know, knowing that Xbox is in a, a, a position of strength, um, I'm an Xbox fan first. You know, everything else is second. It's always been second, but um, I've always played different games on different consoles, whether it was Nintendo or because of the exclusives. But now with Xbox being in a position of power, um, you know, I'm all in. I'm I'm focusing solely on my Xbox and the Xbox platform. I've traded in, or not traded in, I've returned my pre-order for the PlayStation. Call me crazy. Um, But yeah, that's what I've done. Okay. So you're not going to scalp it like those GameStop employees in my area are doing? No, I don't need need the money. (laughs) They allowed the baby to scalp the X from me and get two Xs? Yeah, and not, that's not going to happen. I'm more interested on uh, in the the game or the system than money right now at this point. Well, um, I did want to go ahead and get into the game Game Pass right now because I I know that Dutch kind of talked about it a little bit, um, but basically, you know, the way I look at Game Pass right now is that. It's, an ever-growing attraction for gamers at a fraction of the cost of actually buying games. And I think with some publishers raising prices, uh, I'm sorry about the audio, but um, some publishers raising the prices uh, next generation, I think Game Pass makes a little bit more sense for people, especially if you're on a budget, or if you're one of the people that usually um, play games and trade them in. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, hero. I did fix that. Thank you. It did pop up and let me know. Uh, so now, I mean, Doom Eternal, Destiny Two, its DLC, Forza Motorsport Seven is coming. So, do you guys think Game Pass is good or bad for developers? Who do you guys think really wins when it comes to the Game Pass? The gamers, yeah. the devs, publishers, Xbox, or just every gamer in general? And what I really wanted to allude to is I recently had a conversation with. AJ Grand Scrutton, who is the CEO of Delilah Studios, 
um, who developed Battletoads for Rare. And uh, what he basically had to say was that Game Pass is a real benefit, especially to indie yeah. developers that might not have uh, the yeah. backing of like a AAA studio or, or major investors because the way that uh, he understands it from other friends in the industry as well is that if you have a title, an indie, you're an indie publisher and you have your own title and you want to go ahead and get it published, you can go through ID at Xbox and get mm-hmm. some financial help. ID at Xbox will then help you get that into Game Pass. With Game Pass, now you're an indie publisher. You're like, oh, what if I don't sell copies of my game because it's in Game Pass? Well, guess what? Microsoft and Xbox, they have clauses in the negotiation contracts that cover you for any potential lost sales while your game is in Game Pass. Plus, on top of that, you get a lump sum up front. You get the financial back in from ID at Xbox. Plus, they still allow you to make money on the game sales. It's not like Microsoft takes all that money from your game sales and says, hey, we helped you. Now it's our money. No, they don't do that. These indie developers still get that money. And you hear a lot of journalists out there constantly complain, oh, Game Pass is going to be a failure. Uh, Game Pass is not, you know, indie publishers are losing money. And all this is not true. We're talking, okay, listen, Microsoft is a trillion, quadrillion, billion dollar company. Okay. They just bought Zenimax for 7.5 billion. If anybody can afford to do something like this, it is Microsoft. And they're helping the gaming industry survive because a lot of indie publishers yeah. right now would not survive. The in, if, uh, when we seen the beginning of this generation, right, with the PlayStation indies and yeah. then the ID Xbox indies on Steam started becoming oversaturated. Um, I mean, look at indies like Soda Drinker Pro for 99 cents. They were all over the place, all kinds of different cheap indie games. Mm-hmm. But Microsoft in my opinion, is helping the industry with Game Pass. And I want to go ahead and go to the panel and get your opinions on this. Um, down so, to, let, me go, let me go to you first, because, you know, you doubted some things initially, right? But yeah. now you've come around, you see some moves that are being made. And what's your opinion? So you look at the moves that they made uh, with the, some of the smaller studios like um, Obsidian, uh, Ninja Theory and you know Double Fine, just to name even Compulsion Games, just to name a few. Um, these company, even in exile, these particular companies weren't in the best financial position, you know. And a lot of them, a lot of these studios, it's make or break uh, for a lot of the games that you make. One game, one fail, um, could be the end of your company. That's why you see. A lot of these smaller companies, especially indie devs, get outsourcing from you know third party, whether it's uh, crowdfunding or you know, smaller publishers or even larger publishers. Um, this is the now when Xbox purchased these uh, these companies, all that you know what you worry about being a developer is gone because now you can just you can concentrate on your creative freedom. You can concentrate on the games that you love to make, not having to worry about the financials from it because Xbox has your back. You know, now that you see, um, 
Game Pass changing in a dramatic way before our very eyes with the access, with the acquisition of ZeniMax. And the fact that EA has come over and brought 70-plus titles onto these platforms. What Game Pass does is it gives not only the smaller developers, it gives them access, just like you said, um, that people would otherwise be skipping over these titles. But if you're a larger developer now, like EA, right, it gives your game legs. It gives Battlefield 5 legs. It gives Battlefield 4 legs. It gives some of these other games that are, you know, their servers are barren. It gives them a second chance. And on top of that, you know EA's heavy in microtransactions, right? It gives them another opportunity and added revenue on top of that. So there is an incentive to join Game Pass. And it, it's just an overall, it's just a better deal for gamers. And it's a better deal Um you know, for both developers and publishers. You know, it really is. So that's the way I look at it. I'm looking for um, Xbox and Game Pass, you know, to make another big move to add to their collection. I heard they're not done yet. I don't know what you guys hear. I heard they're not done yet, whether it's Bungie. I know I know the executive at Bungie is kind of, um, uh, you know, put a, a X on that, but who knows? You know, he can't talk about those things. So what I, what he has to say, I just take it at face value. Um, but I look forward to uh, another big purchase by Xbox, and some of these, you know, some of these games that are coming out for sure. So I think it's a, an ex- it's an exciting time to be an Xbox owner. Uh, and if you're a gamer, if you're a parent looking for value, um, you know, you're going to go with Xbox because they have a system at $299 now that does, uh, that, you know, that runs at $1440. Um, or, you know, just uh, it's just a good deal. You know, $15 uh, gets you all these games. So, yep, that's my take on it. Um, Dutch, you got any thoughts on this? Yeah, um, Game Pass as a whole, it's again like you like you touched on before. It is its major major kind of profitability point is on the indie sector as opposed to the the AAA. AAA is more to to get people into the service in the first place. Now invested heavily in both Bethesda at seven. 0.5 billion or Zenimax um, and all of their studios along with um, obviously the other acquisitions that they've had with EA going into Game Pass. Of course, not EA Pro as we know, it's just EA Play which is a standard version um, which is um, a massive kind of benefit to, to all gamers. Um, I think the especially speaking to a few ID at Xbox devs and Game Pass um, kind of devs or ID mm-hmm. devs that are going into Game Pass, the benefit is is largely on their side. They can see the numbers and they can see the vast increases in, in kind of um, users that are playing their titles. Um, again, going back to speaking to uh, Joe, um, for Song of Iron, he had a very, very modest kind of release, uh, kind of 
total of only 50,000 units, I think he said he wanted to, to sell. <laughs> Which I was like, he's, he's going to sell much more than 50,000. Um, initially, he's going into the ID at Xbox program, but he, he, he hopes to be in Game Pass going forward. Um, we're going to try and see if we can kind of push the boat on that one for him and, and get him into Game Pass initially. Um, but that launches sometime in June as well. But for developers like himself that really need the push to, to kind of get more users in and interested, that also opens the for them the floodgates to potentially um, a, a greater career for themselves, kind of pushing more games into that service, um, more visibility in in the industry, um, and growing their their own um, development companies. From start to finish, you've got to think there's, there's a lot of developers now that are only one and two people. Some of them, maximum of four people as a, as a studio. Um, and they're working all hours to get these indie titles out and, and, and into services. Now on Steam, you used to have Greenlight, as you know, and that was an absolute mess. <laughs> um, outside of Greenlight, then you've got Xbox ID at Xbox and now Game Pass, which is a massive benefit to, to IDs. Um, and it's vastly above where PlayStation are now treating their ID uh, companies. Now, you might see them pushing a lot in, in their videos, um, but one developer that's been outspoken about the way PlayStation have done things recently, especially on the ID sector, and if you have a look at their store, it's not catered to IDs at all, like in the slightest. Um, you'll all know the game The Descenders, which is a mountain bike game on Xbox ID. Uh, and that developer oh, yeah. said that when they launched that game onto PS uh, PlayStation Store, it was so difficult to find it on launch day, like impossible to find it. And that game had only just launched on the platform. He said the, the user differences between the two was staggering. It also it also made them reevaluate whether or not to, to put additional games onto PlayStation from an ID perspective because it wasn't worth it. Now, if you have a look at the way that the marketing goes for Xbox, especially onto the Game Pass sector, compared to the way PlayStation do it, PlayStation push and will always push AAA before they push anything else. And that is a benefit mainly towards IDs. And if an IDs range in size, again, you mentioned Ninja Theory. They released Hellblade and and obviously before that, Enslaved Odyssey to the West, among uh, many others like Devil May Cry. Um, but that was kind of them getting involved with those games as opposed to solely developing themselves. And you look at their first fully studio-only title at Hellblade and how critically acclaimed that went. And then not long after, obviously that was exclusive to PlayStation for a year, came over to Xbox. Xbox got it straight away, put it immediately, as soon as they got the studio, immediately in Game Pass. And again, the the, the numbers and the downloads soared throughout. Game Pass as a service is just phenomenal, but they've also invested heavily in that. And it's whether or not the company see it as a worthwhile profitability um, in terms of not money, because the Xbox themselves are part of Microsoft, 
and as a game and division, not a singular platform now, they can make up seven billion what they've spent in a matter of two, three months, if that. So that's not it's not even a dent in the pocket. They had forty billion spare from the deal that was meant to be for TikTok originally. So they don't mind spending more money than any other platform on getting these things done. Game Pass for a consumer is a no-brainer. Not only is it a no-brainer for the consumer, it's a no-brainer for a developer because there is no lost situation. They're getting paid for a full-price release, even though the user, the consumer, is getting a 20% discount. So regardless of whether or not they play their game, they're going to get paid for the amount of downloads that they have. They're going to get paid for any loss of sales. And even when they do get sales, they get full 100% value of that sale, even at a 20% discounted rate for the consumer. So that the actual developers are not losing out. The consumers are not losing out. Microsoft initially don't mind losing money because they've seen 5 million growth in users in six months. And the more they press Game Pass, as well as that, $299 console, the better that service is going to grow. It's going to get more and more users. And if six months in lockdown is going to get 5 million additional subscribers, think of what else is going to happen. I mean, it's insane value for money. I think, I think I've talked a little bit too long here, but I think you get the gist. <laughs> it all makes sense what you were saying, 100%. Uh, VJ, did you have anything you want to add on this? Um, there's a couple of things. Just before I talk about Game Pass and Indies, there's there's a couple of things I'd like, because uh, I know we've touched on Bethesda and, and the games that they've got. There's just one lingering issue that I've got that I want Phil Spencer to look at if he's listening. If you look at Xbox today, they've now tried for almost two decades to mimic uh, Nintendo and Sony, um, their way of purchasing, nurturing, and creating a slew of powerhouse studios and IPs. Sorry, I can hear someone's TV. Sorry, it's a bit a little distracting. Um, uh, you've got you've got Rare. You've, you've had Lionhead. You've had Big Blue Box. You've had Bungie, and uh, and then they acquired the Gears IP from from Epic as well, right? To name the prominent ones. And I think they've sort of flirted with Insomniac, Platinum Games, and uh, Remedy also comes to mind. Um, it hasn't quite worked out for them. A lot of talents left or, or stopped working with Xbox. Uh, Bungie and Epic also sort of walked away and. Basically, Xbox were left holding the brands, right? And you could argue with diminished value until until, until they're sort of hopefully reimagined and uh, invigorated once again. So for me, at least, one of the few remaining issues over at Xbox is their sort of historic propensity at failing to integrate companies and cultivating creativity and, and progressively sort of improving their IP and the value of their brands. And I really want, I really hope with all the other measures that, uh, Phil sort of seems to have sort of painstakingly taken over the last six years, I think, since his appointment. Um, this is just one of the things that hopes, hopes he's addressed, and, and we see that coming through in um, in all their sort of AAA titles and, and the studios that they're acquiring. But to sort of look at Game Pass, I just come at this a little bit differently because I think um, Dutch is sort of uh, going to bounce off in because I think it's covered off like Game Pass and what it means and, and the value and all that. And I think that's all sort of undeniable. Um, but the power, the question you asked was something about where does the power lie? And I was starting to think about that. And in the video gaming industry, before the digital sort of purchasing area, um, era, sorry, arguably all the power resided with retail stores, right? It was the only way 
uh, that publishers and, and first party or even hardware right could get through to end consumer right especially during the 90s and early 2000s and and obviously we've witnessed ourselves right like a paradigm shift almost you know with like console sales some games up to 70 percent you know of, of uh, first party or even uh, top tier third party games going out uh, you know in terms of sales right 70 30 in uh, the favor of digital as, as consumers I think that over the next sort of 18 months, maybe that we're finally sort of weaned off of physical discs and content becomes like purely available via digital methods, then I think this is going to empower the new store owners, which is effectively going to be what Game Pass or Xbox. So I don't know the actually when you purchase games through Xbox, is it through Game Pass or is it through like a different storefront? Uh, it's through it's it's both through Game Pass and Microsoft Store at the same time. Thank you, thank you. And then you've got uh, PlayStation Store, and then you've got the Nintendo, Epic, and Steam equivalents. So, so these future digital store front owners, right, effectively, will then control and construe everything to according to their own benefit and interests first and foremost. Um, that will be sort of everything to prioritizing their own first-party uh, funded content and the strategic sort of curation of that uh, in, in their stores, right? Xbox, I think, reportedly have like 35 first-party teams. And I guess those guys are going to receive the priority slots, right, in the forthcoming sort of Xbox multi-year release schedule or planner or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's quite frightening, really, um, in terms of competition, I, I would say. Digital storefronts, for me, are sort of like, I don't know if this is the right phrase, turn of phrase, but like a, a, a garden, uh, sort of like a wall garden store, right? And I think it's going to be very, very difficult for everyone going forward. And, and how does Xbox or any platform holder cater for the welfare of everyone involved? And I think Dutch touched, touched on you know indie developers, right? And he seems pretty well versed uh, in, in terms of that. So the design of Game Pass and how it how it evolves and curates is key going into the future. My concern is for sort of aspiring developers or so-called indie developers, right? And I covered this uh, sort of topic quite extensively on Indie Gamer last Saturday. Um, Maybe there are separate sections, stables inside the wall garden and the indie village is perhaps one of them where you can find these indie games, right, specifically. Um, but the, the tech and initiatives themselves are not the issue. It's, it's how responsibly tech companies deploy such advancements, in my opinion, uh, to the benefit of the user, communities, developers, and, and bringing companies and creators together. That's what's important, not sort of divide and, and restrict them. And, and, and I don't know if this is a, a fair parallel to, to draw, because I haven't really been following it other than seeing it. Now you've got this situation with Epic versus Apple at the moment, right? I'm not sure if that's the best example, but I want to see less of that going forward. Uh, I know it doesn't affect us gamers on a day-to-day -day basis, but it's something to watch out for, right? So unfortunately, though, more often than not, we've seen corporations eventually becoming self-serving, right? Everything is designed to mislead us, whether it's marketing, whether it's PR or whatever, right? And so on. And so we acquiesce, right, into preaching and repeating a certain mantra and it becomes what's best uh, and everyone should follow that course of thinking or you're sort of like outside of the camp spitting in now. So uh, until, a, uh, until a new narrative, right, they come up that serves a corporation, its shareholders even better, right, and then they'll change it again, right? So I guess, I guess we all have to realize that every game that is made is a gamble. I think if you talk to any developer, large or small, they'll tell you the same. And then the other side of the coin, you've got the public, which I think is extremely fickle, and that in itself is a bigger human issue, uh, right, in itself. So, anyway. And that is what I think about Game Pass. <laughs>
<laughs> no, I agree. I do agree with VG on the last point. The, the the general public is extremely, extremely fickle. From one point to another, I, you don't know what you're going to get. I do feel like there's a couple things that some people are kind of missing on, and the one thing that Xbox is preaching on is engagement numbers, and the one thing that Bethesda makes, and a couple of, of the other studios that were on the list that they acquired, they make uh, RPGs, and RPGs historically have the longest engagement. So, and to have EA, EA's a company, EA's a business, they they see the numbers, they see how Game Pass is trending up, and they even have a couple RPGs of their own, and I'm actually interested in playing uh, uh, Dragon Age when when it comes out. I haven't played that yet, so I'm interested in that. And uh, hey, there's sorry. there's a go ahead yeah there's another uh, another thing I I I just have this feeling because there's another company out there that does do a lot of um, I guess you could say more engaged type games and that's Ubisoft I have a feeling that Ubisoft Forward that's 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 my I'm putting that out there I have a feeling that Ubisoft Forward is going to somehow get their way into Game Pass like. Like uh, like Bungie did with with their with their game and their content. Hey, uh, I have a question for you. What do you mean by fickle? I, I understand the terminology for it, but what do you mean? What do you mean the gaming community or gaming uh, public is fickle? I didn't say fickle. Well, no, get- with myself and VJ, so for instance, on on a fickle oh. general public is from from one day to another. So there might. For instance, if you have a look at smaller indie titles, and this is just a, as a reference for the for the term fickle in, in the community, um, but if you have a look at, at smaller indie titles like um, the one that Clowns has been playing yeah. with uh, recently, what's what's it called again? Among Us. Mm-hmm. That game is is the thing of the day. But give it a few weeks, give it a few months. Okay, that's it's done. It's the next thing gone. Uh, we're gonna find the next big thing. Go on to it straight away. Like the the actual what what people want, what the general public want, change from day to day. So Game Pass is the big thing right now, and of yeah. course the the engagement numbers and the amount of people that are signing up to that, it's brilliant. But the content has to be in within Game Pass going forward and continue to change to suit what the public demand in order to stay relevant, so they yeah. can pump in all these big numbers and big games going forward, but if the public don't like the content that is within there, then it's just, then it's going to start going downhill again, and that's where I think the variety comes in on Game Pass, which is what yeah. they're benefiting from. Yeah. So they've got, EA, like you mentioned there with engagement numbers, yourself, EA's engagement numbers for, for their sports games are through the roof. Of course, they always have done, always will do, regardless of microtransactions. Then you've got RPGs, again, both massively multiplayer online role-playing games or just role-playing games in general, or PvE, PvP games, they've got them covered. Racing games, you've got them covered. RTS games, you've got them covered. You've got a variety of different things across the board, from indies all the way through to AAA. That's going to keep keep people engaged. And that's one thing I think that, they're they're really focusing on as well is is variety as well as just putting games in the service but I do think you know I do think that's the reason why gamers are uh, you know free a fickle Uh, 
it's we're it's a product of our environment. We have so much to go to. I mean, look at we have Apple Arcade. We have we're Game spoiled. Game. If you go back, yeah, exactly. 15, exactly. 15 years, even 15, 20 years, when we had the Mega Drive and the SNES, we yep. we did not. We had two platforms to choose from, and that was that. <laughs> and then you had <laughs> then you had cartridges. Now you've got what you've got mobiles with billions of different games and apps. You've got laptops, you've got computers, you've got consoles, you've got handheld devices, you've got smart watches, you've AR, VR, mixed reality, yeah. anything you can imagine is available for, for the end user. So it, it's only got more fickle over time. Yep. So. Back then, uh, Dutch, you know, you'd pretty much, it didn't matter whether it was for the Wonderswan, the Game Gear, the Game Boy, the PC Engine GT, whether it was for the Neo Geo, Mega Drive, SNES, you would respect every release that came out. You give it, you'd give it your time, right? Oh uh, with, yeah, hundred percent. But now it's it's a case of there's is um, I don't know, just far far too much. I mean, I still see people procrastinating in uh, Burger King, right? You know, oh, should I have a cheeseburger? <laughs> cheeseburger, with, cheeseburger with cheese and bacon. I just can't make up my mind. And the last like the seven eight other family members that are with them, right? And you're thinking, oh my god, <laughs> going on here? Yeah, but just, just say no onions and move on. With how how the modern <laughs> has been programmed right and uh it's, it's it's absolutely incredible when i see it right how people like we really when someone says you know like we are sheep we are sheep and we acquiesce and change our minds so frequently and sometimes the scary thing is we don't even realize we're doing it yeah yeah most of us walk around with fear uh, um and but we again another another emotion another uh i don't know like um inside of us that again we don't realize right it's it's, yeah. it's, it's it's unbelievable i still remember the days anyway i mean i'm showing my age here when you could leave your front door open and not worry about anything that's going on in the outside world and if someone did knock at the door it'd normally become you know bearing gifts like a cake or cake and coffee <laughs> good. Yeah, that's a, that sounds good right now <laughs> sir. and even then what kind of cake and a light on spoiled for choice here <laughs> this, we're talking about cheesecake here that's the only kind <laughs> I don't know. I think I'll just stick to fish and chips. I think a Dutch might agree with me there. <laughs> yeah, that's a, now, good, that, a good choice that, as well. Is that fries in American? Clowns? <laughs> I'm, I'm here. There's uh, something going on you've, in the background. You've gotten awfully feminine. That no, sounds fun. There's, there's something going on. No, I'm still here. No, I'm still here. I heard the fish and chips come in. Is that fries? And VJ didn't respond. No, because I don't want to be. I didn't come on to this show to be insulted by Midway. <laughs> no, no insults. Oh, yeah, we don't mean. We don't mean. Pack, no, we don't mean packets of crisps. No. no. <laughs> um, actual potato fries slash chips. Potato fries. Well. <laughs> I mean, the other thing I wanted to get into was this uh, Rated CD M Project Red. For mature. I mean, basically, CD Project Red. Uh, At CD Project Red, it has always been our goal to take you on adventures, both legendary. That um, that the crunch that they're enduring is kind of like severe, but according to the response from the studio. It's one extra day a week, and they are being paid. Um, hmm. And I've talked to people. Not only are they being paid, but they're also getting a ten percent 
bonus of the profits of the game. This is the most anticipated game ever this generation, (laughs) if not ever. And if you're getting 10% profit of that, bearing in mind Witcher 3 did over 30 million, maybe it's more, maybe it's 50 million copies now. Mm. If they get 10% of anywhere near that, split between the development staff, you you want to bet. If I was given an opportunity to work in a development environment where they said, right, okay, we need for the next 12 months, you're going to need to work your, your socks off, potentially six days a week. Or even at the tail end, only work an additional six uh, additional six days in a month um, to make sure that the polish and all of the things were out of it. On top of that, it's paid, um, and you're getting a ten percent cut of profits from the game itself um, well, when when the game is is released. Yeah, and the you, game you, you want to bet you want to bet that those developers are going. Yep. And the game's finished already. They're just working on the day one patch. As we speak, they're working on that day one patch. So when that yep. game launches, it has as few bugs as possible. Yeah. You know. So you know, to me, it's not even. It's not like the kind of grind where they're just trying to trying to complete the game. That's not it. They're just working on the on the bugs. And that's a whole that's a whole different process in itself. Yep. Well, From a professional standpoint, I've gotten like, I, 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 the guy's work. I mean, everyone keeps shouting about how he does X, Y, and Z and this for the industry. And he's not done a damn thing for the industry. What he's done is interviewed several people for a book that he made back in 2017 about crunch. And then when he hasn't got an article to post, he then digs up more about crunch at a different studio. And then when there's something not happening, he digs up another article about crunch at another studio. And if you have a look at his all across all of his posts for Bloomberg, since going from Kotaku, who were uh, blacklisted from um, kind of the, the the gaming sector, should we say, um, and couldn't get them out of that blacklist, went to Bloomberg if you have a look at his track record of articles, they kind of just marry up with every other gaming news site. And bearing in mind, Bloomberg is a large financial institution. Um, they report on financials f- across every sector in the world. Um, the gaming sector being the smallest, I mean, for him anyway, um, one of the smallest on their site, probably. <laughs> bearing in mind the deal with um, kind of trading commodities, gas, electric, oil, you name it. So much larger sectors than than gaming. Um, his articles have been very mundane, and all of a sudden, this pops up. Okay, I'm going to just bring up the whole crunch debate again. Why? So, it's just, it's so stupid. It's, it's just uh, because he gets his name into the spotlight. Yeah, and you know what? He's he's probably doing crunch trying to get these get these uh news yeah. get this new that's, a, and that's what i've been trying to say i mean every sector in the world if you speak to oh, yeah. i mean imagine the construction industry looking at his article and or, or even those that go mining or those that work on oil rigs and he's talking about crunch well you know what the other thing too is there's the other aspect to this and this is the fa- this is not some chump game that's coming out this is a game that's looking there's fans all the way across the world People are looking forward to this game, and they want to play it. And for CD Projekt Red to come out and, hey, yeah, we're going to work six days a week as opposed to five because we want to finish this game for the fans and the shareholders, 
that's okay in my book. And for Jason to do so, and then he has the audacity to attack, uh, you know, Paris. I mean, that was just really come on. He was, he was I mean, feeling the, a little, the game. Uh, the game is already. If you have a look at it as well, it's not just that we're in a we're in a, and you've got to feel sorry for all developers because every one of them will be doing crunch now. Given the fact that the vast majority are working from home, it's going to be. We know this from even on the Xbox side. They've said, right, "Listen, we're going to be getting the games out as much as we can, um, and as quickly as can." There might be delays. There might not be delays. Sony have said the same thing across the board. There's been several games that have been postponed already that were meant to be launching around um, launch um, launch window for the consoles that have been pushed back. Um, of course we know Halo Infinite was one of them that wasn't anywhere near done but of course working from home is not going to benefit anybody so of course there's going to be crunch hours and imagine doing crunch hours working in the house compared to crunch hours sitting in the office now, is that going to be a lot more comfortable for you because A, your family's going to be in the house with you regardless so if you're doing these crunch hours and you need a break you're going to be able to get up you're going to be able to go and see your partner it's not these aren't crunch hours <laughs> sitting in an office. Yeah. This is a lot well, different. Whoever whoever said that they weren't getting paid, that opens up a whole other can of worms when it comes to labor laws. <laughs> and yeah. Then, yeah, especially in and, especially in Poland where it is illegal. Right. right. And then, you know, to, <clears> to to only do it for six weeks out of the five, six years that this game, this triple A like you know, once almost almost once in a lifetime type game, where it um, kind of you know it kind of you kind of need that that crispness of the game for the sales to be up and for the hype to be up to get paid back. I will yeah. do the five and six weeks. Hundred percent. And you've got to think as well. Like they want Christmas off. Do they want to be continuing development? Like. Just before Christmas, thinking, you know where it is. If this game hasn't released before Christmas, we're yeah, going to have right. this two-week break, one or two-week break, going into Christmas, and then thinking, right, as soon as we hit the as soon as we go back into work in January, we're going to have this almighty task of getting this game finished to now launch they, in the next couple of weeks. Now they could take a month off and spend that bonus money. <laughs> exactly. So they're gonna have, of course, they're gonna have people doing doing kind of patchwork and things on the on the time. But there is going to be, as we know, every year and rightly so, because they've been working the, their asses off getting games ready for us. Again, as a consumer, this is a consumer product. We are privileged enough to be able to afford to do these things as a hobby. Mm-hmm. But if you have a look at it in terms of actual. Spending time, they are going to get time off over Christmas as the gaming industry does. They shut down, they go home, they spend time with their relatives. They don't sit there over Christmas and and work on the game. That's not how it works. It's the same for the vast majority of major sectors. See, hey, who wants to work ten hours to get Friday off? You know, like that 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 incentive happens. Yep. Well, at my at my old job, um, we actually had ten hour days and then three days off. So I mean, it, right. it's out there. So it exists. Um, and you know, this whole thing with CU Project Red, as long as they're getting paid for it, 
I don't see an issue with it. Like, as long as they're being paid for their work, that's fine. Um, I think the only time I have a problem with crunch is when that it goes under the table, the overtime's not clocked, or there's some disparage, uh, discrepancy with pay, then that's an issue. But it seems like that the CD Project Red situation, I, I think that Jason Schreier's just making an issue out of nothing just to get his name yep. out there again. And because it's a big studio, so it's like, oh my God, it's CD Project Red. They're not paying their employees. What? Then they click on the article and it's just like, Blah, 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 blah. Studio head responds. Hey, they are getting paid. Just one extra day a week they're working. It, it's not like a big it deal. Just sounds like, it just sounds like Jason Schreier's hands are very soft. But it's not just that. He's saying, right, yeah, they're doing overtime, but, I mean, the, some of them are saying, well, we've got X, Y, and Z developers saying that they've, they've been working the last 12 months, 12-hour days. There's, there's people working, I'm sorry, but there's people working around the world in different industries that are doing 12-hour days all week, not just for 12 months, but for the entirety of their career. The vast majority of people, especially people like us, that we do this kind of podcasting as well. We can't call this a job because it's it, we class it as a hobby slash fun. But at the same time, we're coming home after doing nine, 10-hour shifts at work coming back, thinking of different things for this, working on bits for podcasts, working on different entertainment mediums to keep people entertained. We're still coming home at the end of the day and then working additionally on top of that. I've, in the past as well, prior years back, I've done two jobs in a row where I finished my Monday night to five job on a weekend and worked a second job and then um, did reserve services for armed forces uh, before going full-time in armed forces. So I've done... A variety of things that include many different variances of hours worked and labor time, but it's not complete. You don't complain about it because you need to do what you need to do to do to, to get by, and and you know what I mean. It's it's such a strange thing to go into on one sector where you make it such a problem that isn't a problem. It it only becomes a problem if the employers make it one. So if you're not treating your staff correctly, if you're not paying them, if you're doing all these things that don't incentivize the the employer employees to stay back and actually want to get the job done correctly. Now, if you're telling me that CD Project Red, which I know they're not, are treating their staff poorly and not a not making sure they've got food, not making sure they've got paid additional for the additional hours they're doing not then giving them a bonus for the extra work that they're putting in, which they are, 10% of all profit, uh, which is insane anyway. And then, of course, just ensuring that those that are working at the company are looked after, which I know they are from head to toe. If you speak to any of the people, any of the development team that are not just on social media, but in general, they're all really happy to be working at CD Project Red. They're all really happy of of what everyone is kind of creating and, and speaking to them about, mm-hmm. um, it's such a, such a non-issue, and I think it's it's took a lot of might from a lot of these different and and there's so many of the CDPR team on Twitter these days as well. I'm very surprised that none of them have kind of lashed out at Jason Schreier, but they're a bigger person than we are because there's a lot of us, of course, that have retweeted them. And called him a clown for for these non comments, but um, hats off to them for just ignoring it and, and getting on with their jobs. Because I I would be infuriated if they were saying 
if he was telling me that I'm <laughs> I'm getting overworked for something that I'm actually trying to do because I love the job I'm doing. It's a bit of a strange one. Yeah, they're probably... And now let's talk about China. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Midway. Um, no, I, you know, I got to say this. I think that the reason why the CD Projekt Red employees don't say anything back is, one, because they don't want to lose their jobs, and two, the press, like especially like Jason Schreier, he'll find any way to twist those words around and put sentences where they don't, don't belong. Don't want to vindicate them. Yeah, it, it's like, you know, it's just... Uh, he's just going to twist everything around. Uh, VJ, you got any thoughts on this? Um, I actually came at it a little bit differently. I didn't see the uh, Jason Schreier thing. What I saw was um, one of the guys I respect on YouTube, Yong Ye, and um, he was doing his um, video tagline. It was something I just clicked on. It, it was CDR, uh, CDPR crunch and where they mandated um, uh, overtime when they promised not to do so. So... Um, you, you could say, and, and I think what's important here is in similar. It's in a similar vein to what what Dutch is saying, but maybe slightly differently. You could say, you know, Jason, uh, sorry, Jason Schreier could come out and say, oh well, the project itself was poorly conceived and poorly planned, and the management and production team are not quite good enough, right, or, or ill prepared, right. Um, I'm hoping that we all understand, and I think I just said it in my previous comment on the previous topic, is understand that a video game is incredibly difficult and strewn and scattered with risk consistently, right. There's a there's a multitude of facets that need to come together before a game design uh, is done, let alone a demo, right? Uh, ever even coming together. There, there are now, there are now. Obviously, we know in these big AAA games, several hundred people, you know, involved in making a game, all with varying skill sets, talents, uh, mindsets, psyches, fees, uh, strong creative opinions and personalities, which are all inevitably, you know, over a four-year period, uh, are going to be pulled and stretched to the limit. Uh, given given how long you know game development schedules are these days, um, every member of every team is going to evolve over a four or five year period. We do that without even being in development, right? And I mean that sort of like in the broadest sense. No one is is um, even in a seasoned HR division, right? Which another thing maybe Jason Schreier could point out, right? A finger out, right? Can truly predict the trajectory of a, of a single individual. If you're if you're working on a three hundred person AAA game, and if you're if you're creating something that is as ambitious as, say, The Witcher, Final Fantasy, is it Red Dead 2 and The Last of Us, crunch is and always will be inevitable. Even teams, and I think, I don't know who was mentioning it, um, about indie games, one-man and even five-man teams crunch. I think it was you, Dutch, right? And, yeah. Uh, even teams as small as, indivi- as an individual, up to 50 people working on a B-plus game, ends up in crunch, even though it was never the intention, principle, or philosophy to do so. Who has the philosophy to go into a game, make a game, and say, you know what, we're going to make sure everybody crunches at the end? See, you know what the funny thing is, though, here, just to slightly interrupt, is the article that, that Jason Schreier, if you have a look on, on screen there, the article that he's alluding to is last year, bosses of CG Project said they didn't want to have mandatory crunch. Now, yep. this mandatory crunch has come in in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point, but I don't want to use that as an excuse. Yeah, to, it's not an excuse, but it's no, no, of course. No, no, no. It's, well, you know, we don't know if, we don't know if conversations have taken place within the own CD Project Red, uh, you know, development group. We don't know whether or not they given an option, say, "Hey, look, we have uh, this situation on how we can we can crunch it out and wait um, or wait until you know we get delayed the game again." 
And you know, we don't know if those conversations have taken place. Yeah. You know, maybe they gave him the option and sat him down and say, hey, you know, we want to finish this game. Are you on board on working with, you know, there's all, it's, there's always a choice. Yeah, you know, but the point is here. The point is here is that yes, you're exactly right. We don't know those conversations, but these are the things that Jason would would point to, and this is why I wanted to answer it in this specific way: is CDPR. If you look at them, they are a darling, right, of the industry. Yeah. And, uh, and, yep. and right now, for someone like Jason, because there's no point in me sort of like you know shooting the breeze with you guys to say, oh, did he say that or that could have happened? That's irrelevant, right? <laughs> yeah. The point is more prominent than that, right? And CDPR is just a prominent target in order to make headlines right now. I know a little about CDPR. I, I spent a year living in, in Warsaw myself, and the management, and they are, are good people, right? CDPR aside, if you have to realize that people in – if you just take common people, right, forget about crunch and, and people in, in everyday life, say things to one another that they really mean with the right intention and, uh, and with the information that they have on hand. You know, we make promises with hand on heart, right? And, and they mean to be kept, right? We, we want to keep those promises. But sometimes things get in the way uh, from doing from us being able to keep those promises, right? Even as individuals. So imagine a production team of 300 people setting objectives and targets and delivery timeframes. Things will go awry and promises will not be kept uh, through no fault of an individual or a segment or even a section of a team, right? Everyone sets on, uh, is set on an ETA uh, production deadlines, but no one can foresee uh, uh, um, or accurately factor into a production schedule in terms of, of, a, of a road accident on the journey and foreseeing on top of that being uh, stuck in traffic for three hours. And, and sometimes in game development, that can translate to three months, right? Traffic accidents happen in, in game development and cause unexpected delays. It all takes time and, in, and it's a hard journey. And especially since CDPR are trying to climb Mount Everest, right? Yet again, right? In terms of their yeah. ambition, Cyberpunk uh, 2077, they don't have unlimited resources and finance will also step in marketing will also step in right and say listen look this game needs to ship producers at the same time are under pressure knowing that the game needs to be of the highest quality or the company will suffer so what's left what's left is that everybody has to pull together to make to ensure that they make sure right if there's if indeed the sink the ship is sinking right before it does so now i know i don't want to sort of like sort of have a go at uh, jason schreer or anything but his views points seem to be sort of like sitting in a in an armchair, right? Theorizing things, right? Uh, from a gamer, from a from a media perspective, um, and out there saying sort of delay the game for the sake of the people having to work in these hard conditions. Don't understand, and they simply don't understand all the factors in play. They are all of them, and I hate to use this phrase again, but I, I often enjoy it, that again. Is people outside of the camp spitting in because they don't know as to what Downer was just saying, right? So the management team at CDPR that is spearheading the studio, I, I believe that when I look at them in comparison to other studios, they're very creatively led, first and, first and foremost, and then production-led. I'm not saying that that's a problem. I'm just saying that that's how I see it. And obviously, I agree that both facets are as equally as important and should be in tandem or in balance right, when going into sort of something like a making a video game. But if developers are going to come out and still sort of harp on about crunch right and there may be a few i think clowns touched on it some people come out and say oh well i wasn't paid and i was forced to this and i fell over and whatever right? i ended up in hospital but be grateful that you don't work in a chinese factory i i spent a considerable amount of years over there where every xbox or playstation or headset or mickey mouse t-shirt you buy is kind of pretty much handled by young uh, men and women that are still to this date are found to be underage on occasion right go meet yep. the Thousands of children and pregnant women, right, carrying rocks all day for, for mining pirates, for example, right? And 
how many of us would prefer, and I think I'm just touching on something Dutch did, right? Prefer to develop a game versus being a nurse, a cleaner, a lorry driver. And those guys, you know, do incredibly long hours, right? 14, 15 hours, right? On dangerous roads and motorways. And then you just have to look at this, the, what was it? The student worker at Foxconn. And this is only a couple of years ago who was assembling iPhones and then proceeded to jump out of a window. And then yep. Apple and were subsequently accused of violating local labor laws, right, and poor labor practices. I think that was in 2018. That's not that long ago, guys. And there, there are more uglier things that we can talk about that would make our stomachs turn, right? However, individuals who have probably never worked in a studio or even had their own business want to debate crunch, and that's like, Lord, give me strength, right? So CD Projekt, I think, has nothing to be ashamed for and nothing to apologize for. If they... Right. If they like, like I think Dutch said and a clown said, if they're managing the welfare and in the, especially in this turbulent and unwanted situation, they are all still finding their way to be a great, if not the greatest company out there. It's still, they're still, pro, they're still growing, right? They're not the finished article. And um, of course, they may, they may very well want to eliminate crunch going forward. But as I said, it's a, it's a fantastic goal to have. And it's not as simple as flipping a switch. They, they, and I know that CD Projekt Red, and I think somebody was saying um, about Christmas and going away. I know that these studios like um, um, CDPR and so on and so forth, right? They have a lot of young people cutting teeth on possibly their first project, and they all, don't all live in Poland. They come from surrounding countries like Hungary and so on and so forth, right? A lot of yeah. the people that work in the cities have wives and families and houses and, and everything outside of Warsaw, right? Which is quite a trek, right? Where they all come from villages and stuff like that as well. So, and I have friends that sort of, I had a few friends that worked at Naughty, Naughty Dog for several years and they, they get an education there, right? Like people do at CDPR. Once they've got that in their resume, they can go anywhere. And it's similar to like, it's similar to a law student, right? Of which I think over 90% of which experience significant stress due to the aspect of just so much reading involved. CDPR and I think, and the producers have, a, and, and in my opinion, and from my experience, have a thankless job and good ones are, are really hard to find. And this is why I touched on Shannon Studstill and, and Jade Raymond, like when being hired by Google, it raised an eyebrow for me right that they are constantly spinning dozens of plates and it's hard to manage uh yet we as consumers well some of us not not the obviously this prestigious panel want the best games possible but you want it made in a development studio equivalent of a utopia right everything good often comes out of adversity and incredibly painstaking hard work it may be the right time also, to recall something that's just popped in my head, remember it took Michelangelo two lots of, I think, four years over a 20-year period, right, to complete his work on the Sistine Chapel. That's it for me. <laughs> I, th I think the best thing that a developer can do is just say, look, it's done, it's done. It's pretty much it. Thank well, you for encapsulating my whole comment there. Thanks, uh, Midway. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you top that off with the Michelangelo uh, analogy, buddy. Good job. Yeah, yeah. It is well, a piece of art. One of these days, VJ, me, you, Midway, we got to go get some fish and chips, like the real English kind, because Xbox Pope always tells me how good that is. Hold on one minute. What is your fish? In, what is your fish made out of first? Because in the states, made out okay, all right. So you guys have it made. You guys have the good stuff over here. We got the cheap stuff. It's called Pollock. No, no, <laughs> no. Hey, clowns, clowns! This yeah. is really awesome. It looks like we almost have four hundred watching us right now.
I wow. I don't know how that's possible, but everybody Yep. Four hundred and thirty four. Ask questions. Keep it going, guys. We appreciate it. For me, I'll tell you that. Uh, I think they <laughs> came here voice. for Downer because Downer became Downer was down on Xbox in the beginning of the generation. Now he's back. He's like got his Xbox wings and he's floating in the sky with cloud gaming. Right? Yeah. That's it. It keeps hey, growing, guys, lot, guys. So thank you everybody for joining in. Yeah, hit that like button, guys. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, the next topic I wanted to get into is there is an article in gaming ball and let me make sure no audio leaks this time from this video um so i'm not sure i know vj knows a little bit more about this than i do but basically what somebody from playstation is saying is that the marketing license senior director isabel tomatis talked about 3d audio via headphones on the ps5 that it was confirmed the players could simply plug in their headphones into the dual sense 3.5 millimeter jack experience it however uh it's not going to work virtual surround via tv spe- speakers initially and I, I think it has something to do with the the codex on the system or something like yeah. that but I, i'm not exactly sure why they would want to launch a system that is not prepared for tvs i feel like that a lot of people still have like 720 4k tvs and i feel like that crazy. they should they should know what kind of codecs are on those TVs and those speakers and what they can play. Um, I kind of almost feel like that PlayStation is doing this to push sales of their headphones. I, maybe I'm wrong on this, but uh, get a Sony TV while you're at it. Well, it won't work. Well, it probably well, won't it work. Could be, could be a manager, a manager, uh, the technology trying to catch up. I don't know. So. You think the PS5 is that just so far advanced that the Xbox seems to work with speakers for the PS5? Can't it's like with that? You mean with that RDA nine? It's such a strange thing for not to work, though. Surely that can't be right. That has to be a rumor, right? And a lot of these issues can be dealt with a, a patch as well. So maybe there might be a day one patch, you know, to fix that. But you know, I mean, it's simple. I mean, it's not just Tempest 3D audio because it's still going through HDMI. So right. regardless of what the tech is inside of the box, it's still outputting HDMI. So no matter <laughs> what the format is, it should still work. Whether that be DTS or In anything like that. <laughs> it should. That just seems like such I'm a speechless. strange thing. Yeah, it is bizarre. Speechless. But there's going to be a lot of. There's a lot of. There's going to be a lot of. And up until anybody gets their hands on it, let's face it. Because even with the the, the Xbox, for instance, in the hands of social media influencers and and whatnot, and different kind of blog posts and and reviewers. Even with that in, everybody seems to forget the fact that consoles have a vent. And exert heat, and you know heat comes out of something when you try and disperse it. You don't get cold air, but of course now the, of course the Xbox is overheating because there's heat coming out of it. Um, but now because obviously they have 3D tech and audio tech in the PlayStation, now it doesn't work on TV speakers. 
again, it's it's a non it's a non art. I don't understand where they've got this from. It's so strange. Doesn't make sense. Dutch, it's yeah. common biology. When I get high, I blow cold air. Oh, when, when you go whoo, if you say whoo, that's cold air. <laughs> yeah. you say ha, that's hot air. You yeah, know what's weird though? This, this was confirmed. <laughs> this particular uh, bug was confirmed by the PlayStation blog. So I think uh, there's a lot of truth to it. I mean, sh- um, yeah, it's interesting. So Hong Soul in the chat says that the sound will still work, just not their new 3D audio tech. So I don't well, know that makes maybe... sense, because that's that's like saying Dolby Atmos won't work on TV speakers. Well, it won't. It's going to be, obviously, you're going to get some form of surround sound, but it's not going to have the same effect. Yeah. And there's only... Tempest 3D audio is their version of Dolby. Right. That's all it is. And there's only a handful of games that take advantage of the technology. Yeah, that takes true advantage of it, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The only one that's really taken advantage of it of recent years, anyway, has been Hellblade. Yeah. Yeah. It's so I have the list right here that's allegedly to have the the feature on it, but it's the uh, the Spider Man Miles Morales. Uh, it's Astro's Playroom, Gran Turismo Seven, uh, Returnal, uh, Destruction All Stars, Demon Souls, Ratchet and Clank, uh, Sackboy. Horizon Forbidden West and Resident Evil Village. So that's the particular list. I think four of them will really benefit from it and the rest won't. Yeah. So basically, if you want that 3D audio, you better buy this peripheral. Yep, buy the headphones. (laughs) Well, um, VJ, I know that when I mentioned it in the group DM, you had something to say on this topic? I'm naked now. <laughs> so the way you know, the way the 3D audio was explained in that Unreal uh, Engine demo sounded great. You know, it did. It, it sounded it great. Did, but did you see the the counter article from Dolby? I did. <laughs> it's funny yeah. you mentioned that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah I did. Because. Because uh, PlayStation tried to come out and, and say that it had never been done before and it was this m- major improvement over Dolby Atmos. And Dolby were like, no, actually, we, we have hundreds of floating points as well. That's a, well I, <laughs> I don't you know me, <laughs> You know, me personally, Dutch, I trust Dolby over Sony, to be honest. They've yeah. been in the business a lot longer. They've perfected the technology. And they worked specifically on now vision, of course, but specifically they worked on sound, specifically on sound. Exactly. So. Um, Any gamer in the chat says something that I'm starting to laugh about because I'm telling you, man, like, uh, I think something weird is going on. I don't know if we're hitting like uh, the front page of a category, but any gamer says that the likes and views Went up to 500 in less than a second. And 800 I was looking... likes. Yes. We have over 884. Wow. Yes. So I don't know if I'm getting like bombed. Yeah, like somebody just, <laughs> they just coming in, hitting the like button. That's not a problem, clowns. 
Yeah. Well, I had, I had, we had two thumbs down, but now it's only one thumbs down. So somebody changed their mind somehow. I don't know. Yeah, we changed someone's opinion. That was me. <laughs> I went from like 150 to 880 likes. I was like, what? So how many people do we have in the chat at once? Holy crap. It says 402 right now. Yeah, it had close to 700 before. Okay. Cool. So maybe that, that makes sense. Well, Thank you all for for watching this awesome show, VJ. You're great. All right, let's let's quit while we're ahead. And no, I'm just <laughs> shut the show down now. <laughs> well, I mean, we're we're kind of out of topics. <laughs> this is like the I mean, last I, topic. I, I, said so, I said something that clowns before that will make uh, make people laugh, uh, and that was uh, Jeff Keeley. Oh, not him again. Oh yes, yes, he's back. He's back. For for someone, for, well, hold on. For someone who's who's so new into the gaming news, did you hear VJ about Keeley? Oh, not him again. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jeff Keeley, this is on Jewel Shockers. Jeff Keeley reiterates that titles released in previous years can qualify for Game of the Year at this awards. <laughs> it was the game Death Stranding. Right, Hootie Shaft. <laughs> So previous, I nominate Death Stranding again for Game of the Year. And sorry, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, you're not in it again. Yeah, <laughs> it's such know. a strange thing to say. I don't. I mean, you can't. You, the whole purpose of Game of Awards surely is to award games within that year, not to go back to previous generations and go. Oh, you know where it is? Actually, I really liked this game for the sound, so I'm going to give them a new award. But then well, that nullifies the award that they give for sound that year to whatever it was that was given to sound that year. Dutch, you know what this, I mean, this is just another opportunity for Jeff to, uh, you know, bask in Hido Kojima's glory. Yes. I, I'm surprised he doesn't live at his house, for crying out loud, but that's another <laughs> topic. I think he does. I think he already does. <laughs> I seriously think he's starting to get a little delusional at his power. He lives in uh, Hideo Kojima's uh, ego. That's where he lives. <laughs> it's a big. It's a big space. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he creates some wacky games. I, I'd love to, the only thing I'm hoping for from Kojima is to to for him to get his rights back to Silent Hills and and make that game. Uh, and he, anything else? I'm yeah, a huge Silent Hill for sure. I don't, I don't do scary games because in real life I would never be going forward into the danger. Thank you. <laughs> so I, I had a chance to play just uh, recently on the Xbox platform, the Suicide of Rachel Foster, and I don't know if you guys have played that particular game. No, not oh. yet. So, so it's set. Ironically, it's set in Montana, which where I, that's where I currently reside right now but um so it's it's based off a you know it's a daughter whose parents have passed away and she inherited it's a great game for halloween she inherited a um uh a hotel and it's it just so happens to be a haunted hotel the father had an affair with um with uh someone other than obviously her mother uh, and um, she was killed, not in the hotel, but she was killed just outside, um, you know, just outside the hotel. 
So she haunts the whole town. It's not this boo type, uh, you know, jump scare type game. It's not like that. It's little things that go on with the audio. Like the, the game has the 3D audio effects. Um, it's, uh, utilizes, you know, just the sounds, the creaks, the, um, you know, if a door will slam, you'll hear footsteps. And that's all the game is. It is a walking simulator. You find clues on what exactly happened. And not to give too much away, but, um, you know, some serious stuff went on in that uh, in that hotel. Uh, it's... The game mechanics work like the game. Uh, what's that fire game? That oh my god, uh, fire! It's not Firestorm, but you guys know what I'm talking about. It's that fire walking simulator where he's in the forest and basically oh, he's Firewatch. Firewatch. There you go. Yeah. Sorry, thank you for saving my my that butt my there. First, that was my first indie game I played this generation. Love that game. Yeah, so the game is exactly like that, except inside a hotel. So it's very cool. Uh, I really enjoyed it, even though it was a good... It took me about seven hours to beat. Um, so you can get that game for, for 20 bucks right now. So I do recommend that game. <laughs> and again, that's called The Suicide of Rachel Foster. See, I heard mixed things on that. I am from <clears throat> some friends that review games. Some some didn't like it at all. Some thought the voice acting was bad. Other people loved it. And oh, like, actually, it's the exact opposite. The phone, the the phone acting, the voice acting is very good, extremely well done. Um, it's the it's a walking simulator. The mechanics are are you know it's it. There's basic gameplay elements to it. People get bored about it. That's why it hasn't review, uh, reviewed as high, um, you know, maybe as it, it should have. But the what makes a great game uh, as far as story goes is there. You know, it has a great story. It has good characters. It has a great environment. Um, and it sounds great. So if you enjoy walking simulators like I do, um, I do recommend that game. Okay, well, that's something I'll have to check out then. Um, You know, speaking of which, uh, when I had interviewed AJ from Battletoads, he actually recommended uh, that we interview the voice actress from that game. So we're trying to set something up now, and hopefully I can get an interview with her. But um, I do have a really special interview coming up that I want to announce on the show is that I'll be interviewing Crispin Hands of uh, Lion's Head Entertainment, and he has done the game score for Gears of War 4, Gears of War 5. He's done the game score for a lot of other games, as well as movies nice. like The Hostage. So we're, we're working on that interview now. It's confirmed that uh, he has confirmed the invitation. We're just trying to find a time. And then uh, we're going to go ahead and get them on. And you guys have brought that particular element to your podcast, you know, getting these, uh, you know, the industry talent on there, which shows your passion. Uh, You know, it's just for the, for the gaming industry. Uh, That's what we did at TXR. We don't do it as much anymore. We kind of put our foot off the pedal as far as that goes. 
TXR, I mean, you know, Clowns, we've had some big names on that uh, on that particular podcast. Oh, absolutely. And, you guys yeah. you guys were the first uh, hobby podcast to have Aaron Greenberg on. I'll never forget that. Yeah, yeah Aaron's been on a couple times. Uh, you know, you can't even get uh, Thomas Mahler on there. He's, he's the creator of, uh, of Ori and the Blind Forest and the Will of the Wisps, and he's been on there a couple times. Um. So yeah, I mean, but but yeah, I appreciate the fact that you guys have some great interviews. Um, it's what keeps me listening for sure, and I think the people uh, who listen to you guys feel the same way. So yeah, but thanks for the invite on the podcast. It's been great. Um, it was nice to uh, virtually meet you, gentlemen. Dutch Monster or Midway, I should say, and VJ. Either one's. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a pleasure. Thanks for the invite, uh, for sure. Oh, absolutely, no man. Um, Downer, you're always welcome on Four Guys Recorders and any of our bros over at TXR. You know, I've tried to get Invader on, but his work schedule is just too different. And hopefully, one day I can get him on as well. He actually did a voice clip for the show Flemish and I do. And uh, right. Flam- Flamish is in love with his voice, uh, and he, he wants more of Invader's voice on the uh, Four Guy shows. So I just want to put you that know, on, on Tuesdays, I usually, I mean, I'm at work at this particular time. So I asked my boss, I'm like, look, these guys invited me on the podcast. Uh, you know, it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take off. Is it cool? So, yeah, just go ahead. So I have I love. <laughs> you know what we did we did have our crunch in in july and august and it's it's considered our crunch uh where the tourists come in you know we're right next we're about 45 minutes from yellowstone uh so we have uh tourists coming from all over the world uh to visit our small town uh primarily for the fishing which goes on here the fly fishing um COVID. yeah even during yeah so Montana's a state. Like my kids are physically in school. You know, we don't. You don't get that in in some states. Um, it's you know, it's Montana's a different world. You know, people leave their bikes in the middle of the street. You know, kids and no one will touch them for weeks. You know, and I went to a concert here when I first got in last year. And, uh, you know, people, women still leave their purses on, on the fence, just tied up with hundreds of other purses and no one would touch them. You know, it's just a, it's just a different world out here that if, and I came from Los Angeles. So if that happened in Los Angeles, those persons, those persons, those persons would be gone in the, in the millisecond. It's just a different world out here. It's Yeah. Has anyone here seen Napoleon? Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's Montana. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That pretty much sums it up in a nutshell. <laughs> it was based in Montana, and they made them dress like they were in the 80s. Even though it was present day. <laughs> 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 All 
All right, bring us home, clowns. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm going to bring us home, Downer. You just made me think of the sweet mountains in Montana. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> oh, that sweet, fresh air in Montana, huh? Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. Well, it is. I mean, we did pass the two-hour mark tonight, and we had some really lovely people hitting that thumbs up button a lot. I uh, hope your fingers aren't sore wherever you are. Um, so that was great. I thank you guys for that, and everybody who came out and showed your support. I always appreciate it. Everybody on the panel appreciates it. And you know, Downer, longtime friend, Downer. Uh, besides Sea of Thieves and hanging out with Tim Dog, where can people find you? <laughs> you could find me on Xbox Live. Uh, it's Downer Space J. Um, and you can find me on Twitter. So that's going to be Lone Master Who 07. Um, I recommend you don't follow my Twitter because I could be a dick. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's been fun, guys. You can find me there on those two platforms. Um, clowns, I appreciate it once again. And we'll see you on the flip side. Yeah, no problem, man. Um, Dutch, where can people find you? I'd like to say thank you, first of all, for getting us on the podcast, buddy. Uh, I obviously enjoyed having you on uh, last week with the Iron Lords. Uh, that was uh, that was a, a load of fun. Um, but yeah, you can you can find me on uh, on Twitter on uh, Wondering Dutch as usual, and also on YouTube, uh, same name Wondering Dutch, um, where the of course we host uh, every Wednesday our podcast, the Midweek Mix Up Podcast. Um, Special guests always announced usually a couple of days in advance. Uh, this week, it is just our regular panel, but next week, we have special guests. The week after, we have special guests. And we have, fingers crossed, uh, an Xbox special guest within the next month. Um, so keep your eyes out for that one. That's awesome, Dutch. I'm glad to hear that. And, I, and everybody should be checking out that podcast. It's a really good group of guys is just laid back, have a lot of fun. Um, and multiple people I believe have beards on that show, right? Am I right, yep. Yeah, varying varying degrees of beards. Yep. <laughs> uh Donna, thanks kicked off, right? Thanks for subbing. You just saw Flamish doing his vroom vroom when he was playing Mario Kart on the stream. Um, yeah, I was already I was already sub, but for some reason I clicked off it and clicked on it again. Did it? <laughs> Well, you made you made Flamish pop up, and he said hello to you. So, uh, congratulations right. on that. Um, and to the ever outstanding panel that always makes four guys recorders possible uh, during this season is the awesome Midway Monster and VJ. Uh, Midway, where can people find you? Uh, Xbox Live is Midway Seven Monster on Twitter. It's Midway Eight Monster. For some reason, the seven was taken. Um, great, great show, guys. Uh, VJ, I love you. Uh, I never insult you. Dutch, it's been it was a great time talking with you. Very informative. Downer, you're one of the OGs that I listened to when I first started getting into video game podcasting, like that's, listening. So, anyway, that's unfortunate because I want to listen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, gladly it wasn't just you, okay? So you were, you, were, you were part of a great panel, and I'm glad I finally got to talk uh, talk a little news with you. Great show, guys. Thank you. Appreciate that, brother. Uh, and VJ, where can people find you, man? 
Oh, they can find me on the show every Tuesday. Um, <laughs> um, no, I just want to say uh, next time you have um, um, uh, Downer and um, Dutch on, I think you need to schedule like a three-hour three-hour um, show. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I could talk, but oh my goodness! Yeah, I, I think this this is a record for us, huh? This is the longest <laughs> show so far. Every everything has been a record. The time, the amount of people watching, and the number of likes, everything's been a record. Great show. VJ, I was really impressed uh what you brought to the table, man. Good stuff. Very informative, very highly intelligent, at least from my perspective. Some some people um, obviously tell the truth, but thank you. I appreciate it anyway. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> No, just kidding. And uh, Midway, yeah, you can call me whatever you want. I've been called much worse, trust me. And uh, <laughs> and Dutch, uh, it was a real pleasure. I, I do follow your videos on occasion when I have time, and uh, I really appreciate what you bring to the community. It's, it's much appreciated. And uh, Clowns, um, thanks again for having me on, and um, I'll keep, continue to do my best for you and for the chat. Thanks, VJ. I appreciate that, man. Um, yeah, and no, I appreciate it as well. Thank you very much for those words. Next week, uh, I just want to announce so all you guys know, we're going to have King from the Iron Lords podcast and Dealer Gaming on. So that's uh, it's going to be a fire show. Um, and again, thank you for everybody coming out. And one more thing I want to say about Downer that most people don't know. This is a true fact about Downer that the internet wanted to forget. Uh, but I, I think it's funny, Downer. <laughs> is when we interviewed David Jaffe and in the middle of the interview... Downer said to him, why does PSN keep going down, but Xbox Live doesn't? I'll never <laughs> forget that question. And he didn't know what to say to Downer. Like, Downer just stumped him right there. There was no response on that. I'll never forget David that. David Jaffe is a good dude. Yeah, he David is, Jaffe. He is a good dude, yeah. He just rolled with it, Downer. You just put him through the test and he rolled with it. Clowns, when are we having when um I don't know your schedule downer, but um and I don't know if you're on other podcasts, but um I'm definitely gonna look you up on Twitter and uh, give you a follow so I can uh, see what you're up to. Uh I'm not on I don't stream on Twitch too much, but we have uh, the TXR podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that we air every Sunday night. Um oh, I see. Yeah. So just look us up on Twitter if you have a Twitter account, it's at TXR Podcast. Is that you? Is that Okay, I found it. Yep, thank you. Okay, sweet. All right, guys, we'll see everybody next week, or if you tune into the 4GQTV new show with the Belgian sensation Flemish across the nation. Um, see you guys later. Thank you very much, everyone. Cheers. Thank you, everyone.